Welcome to another segment of The Boy from Splendora, Texas. Red Rover, 1974, by Wallace Gibbs. It's time to get up, I heard Mama calling from the kitchen as I eased back into my morning dreams. Boys, it's time to get up, Mama said as she poked her head into mine and Virgil's bedroom. You need to go and let the chickens out. Yes, ma'am, I said as I dropped my feet to the bedroom floor. Virgil, it's time to get up. You need to start getting ready for school, I said as I slipped on a pair of jeans. Virgil, get up. We have school today. As I put on my tennis shoes, I could see Virgil starting to move around under his sheets. I made my way to the bathroom and conducted my morning ritual of relieving my bladder. Hurry up, Wallace, I heard Charlotte shout from the hallway outside the bathroom door. I need to go to the bathroom. I'm almost finished, I shouted back. You better had raised the lid because I'm tired of you and Virgil leaving pee on the toilet seat. You boys are so gross. I raised it, so don't worry. I lyingly said as I gently lifted the seat into the upright position, hoping that she wouldn't hear the soft tap as the toilet seat touched the lid. Hurry up! I've got to go, she continued urgently. I'm coming, I'm coming! I zipped my pants, walked to the door, and turned the knob. Charlotte bounded into the bathroom and pushed me out the door. I heard her turn the lock walked towards the toilet, and then dropped the seat into place. There is pee on the seat. I am going to kill you. Mama! Charlotte shouted. That was my cue. I ran through the utility room and bounded out the back door to the garage and headed to the chicken yard. I was glad that it was spring. The weather had warmed up and the ground was finally dry after all the rain we had received this past winter. I walked along the path that took me to the pasture and the chicken yard. I made my way to the chicken house and opened the door to let the 15 to 20 chickens out for the day. I then walked over to the chicken feeder to make sure that there was plenty of food to last them until evening. You're fine, I said aloud. There's enough food in there to last you for another day or two. The chicken studied me for a second or two and then ambled into the chicken yard. Mama says that we have to cut your wing feathers this weekend because too many of you are getting out there in the day. I suggest that you stay inside if you know what's good for you. I shut the gate to the chicken yard and headed back to the house. As I entered the utility room, I could smell the scrambled eggs and sausage that Mama was cooking. Wallace, you need to go wash your hands and come eat breakfast. Mama said. The bus will be here in about 30 minutes. Yes, ma'am. As I walked through the living room and down the hallway, I noticed that the bathroom door was closed. I knocked three times. Who's there? I heard Gail say. It's me. What do you need? I need to wash my hands for breakfast. Go to Mama and Daddy's bathroom. I turned around and walked toward Mom and Daddy's room at the end of the hallway. 
As I entered, I saw Daddy looking into the bedroom mirror, tying his necktie for the day. What you need, son? Gail's in the bathroom, and I need to wash my hands. Okay, hurry up, because the bus will be here soon. Yes, sir. I took the soap bar from the edge of the sink and quickly washed my hands, and then headed back to the kitchen. Mama served me a full plate of eggs and two pieces of sausage, which I quickly ate. I got up from the table and took my plate to the kitchen, where I put the plate on the kitchen counter right next to the sink. Go brush your teeth and get ready for the bus, Mama instructed. After brushing my teeth, I grabbed my metal Hot Wheels lunchbox off the kitchen counter and kissed Mama goodbye. Have a good day at school. I love you, and I'll see you this afternoon. I walked through the utility room and went out the garage door and headed to the end of the driveway. Gina, Gail, Charlotte, and Virgil were already there waiting for the bus to appear. As I reached the spot where they were all standing, I planted my feet in the iron ore gravel and turned my gaze westward up FM 2090 to try and spot the bus before anyone else. I see it, Gina stated. It's at Aunt Martha's house. I walked over to where Gina was standing and sure enough you could see the red flashing lights on the end of the bus indicating that it had stopped to pick up passengers. Suddenly the lights went out, and I temporarily lost sight of the bus as it entered the small curve between our house and Aunt Martha's. In less than a minute I could hear the bus groan and grumble, making its way to our driveway as I came into view. As the gears were downshifted I could hear Mr. Fendyson, the high school chemistry teacher, apply the air brakes, bringing the bus to a stop right in front of us. Virgil approached the bus first. Gina stepped behind him and helped support him as he raised his foot to the first step. Good morning, Mr. Fendyson kindly said. Good morning, we all replied in unison. Gina got on the bus next, followed by Gail and then Charlotte. As I got on the bus and made it to the landing at the top of the steps, my lunchbox came unlatched and my sandwich thermos bottle and apple all fell out. The sandwich and thermos bottle fell to the ground and stayed put. However, my apple rolled down the aisle and under the third row of seats. My, that's a good-looking lunch, Mr. Fendyson stated. I couldn't move, and I didn't know what to do. Charlotte turned around, got down on her knees, retrieved my apple, and helped me pack everything back into the lunchbox. Are you ready? Mr. Fendyson inquired. Yes, sir, Charlotte answered as I followed her to the fifth row of seats. Since we were one of the first stops, there were very few kids on the bus, and we had our pick of seats. Do you think you broke your thermos? Charlotte inquired. I don't know. Can you hold my books while I check? I said as I laid my lunchbox on its side, flipped the latch, and opened the lid. I picked up the thermos bottle with a green Hot Wheels car emblazoned on it and twisted the red plastic lid off. I sat the lid on the bus seat in between me and Charlotte. I then twisted the red plastic stopper off the top of the bottle and peered inside as Charlotte leaned over to get a good look as well. 
I swirled the purple Kool-Aid inside and spotted the shiny shards of glass that had broken loose. You'll have to throw it away when you get to school, Charlotte instructed. I have a dime that you can have. Milk is only ten cents in the cafeteria. Do you think I could get chocolate milk? I inquired as I replaced the stopper and the lid. I don't see why not. Do you think Mom will be mad? I asked. Why would she? It was an accident. I guess so. I sat in silence as the bus stopped to pick up Glenn Womack, then the Nowaks, then George and Paul Philly, then Katrina and Steve Fowler along with Sonia Nolan. Next came Sherry and Karen Sims. The bus then made a right turn onto County Line Road where we picked up Brenda and Mike Cater, and lastly Buster and Michael Williams. At the Williams house, Mr. Fendyson had to turn the bus around and head back up County Line Road. He made a left turn onto FM 2090 and headed east. In less than a fourth of a mile, he made a right turn onto County Road 3662 and then an almost immediate left onto County Road 362. From my vantage point, I could see Tony and Sherry Lockhart waiting at the end of the driveway as the bus pulled up to let them on. Tony was Gina's best friend, and she walked to where Gina and Virgil were seated and sat next to them. The bus crossed a bridge that spanned a small creek and came to a T at May Road. Had Mr. Fendyson made a right turn, he could have driven the bus right to his neighborhood, but that area belonged to the Cleveland Independent School District. Mr. Fendyson made the required left turn, and the bus ground to a halt in front of the Willis Place, where J.C. Walls and Sandy Walter got on. Sandy and J.C. were cousins and a part of a large Walls contingent in Splendora. As with all families, there were good walls and bad walls. Josie and Sandy were on the good side. The bus trundled on its way and picked up Morgan Burton, followed by David Johnson, James Wiseman, and then John, James, and Janie Taylor. May Road teed into Tram Road. Mr. Fendyson made a left turn onto Tram and drove about a half a mile, coming to a standstill at the stop sign where FM 2090 intersected with Tram Road. I saw Mr. Fendyson wave to someone, and then I saw bus number 10 making a left turn onto FM 2090 from the opposite side of Tram Road. Mr. Fendyson made a right turn onto FM 2090 and followed bus number 10 to the school. By now, the bus was alive with conversation. Sitting quietly, I couldn't get my mind off the broken thermos bottle. We approached the edge of town, and the school complex came into view. Following bus number 10, Mr. Fendyson made a right turn onto 1st Street, drove past Mr. Boucher's hardware store, and made a right turn into the Splendora Independent School District property. The bus ground to a halt in between the junior high school building on our right and the elementary school building on our left. Mr. Fendyson put the gear shifter into neutral and set the parking brake before leaning over to pull the handle that opened the door. High school, junior high, and elementary school kids all began to exit the bus excitedly talking about the upcoming day 
and the beginning of a new week. Gail, Charlotte, Virgil, and I all walked in front of the bus and headed towards the cafeteria, where we would wait until the bell rang at 8.15, indicating that we could go to our respective classroom. This is my last year in elementary school, Gail announced. I can't wait to get to seventh grade. I turned around and saw Gina disappear into the crowd as she headed towards the junior high school building. When I turned back around, I noticed that Gail, Charlotte, and Virgil had already entered the doorway, and I could see them headed towards the cafeteria through the plate glass windows bordering each of the doors. I meandered into the building and took my place at the second grade table along with some of my classmates that had arrived on earlier buses. Not long after I sat down, Stacy Weatherford sat down beside me. How you doing, Wallace? she said. Good. What do you think about my flower? It's nice. What kind is it? It's a daisy. My dad gave my mom a bouquet of flowers last night, and he gave this one to me, she continued. That's nice, I said as I tried to ignore her. Suddenly I felt the stem of the flower move through my hair and down towards my ear. Without warning, Stacy stuck the stem into my ear canal. Ouch! What are you doing? I shouted as pain ripped through my ear. I thought that you would like that. I think you hit my eardrum, I said as I put my hand up to my ear. I'm sorry, she said. That's okay. The first period bell rang and I watched as Mrs. Hutto, Virgil's teacher, walked to the kindergarten table and motioned for the students to stand up and follow her back to the classroom. Mrs. Dabney came in next and motioned for the first graders to rise and follow her. Mrs. Hammock, my teacher, appeared and all the second graders fell into line behind her and followed the kindergartners and first graders down the hallway. When we reached midway down the hall, the other second graders split off from the line and went to their respective classrooms. Mrs. Maloney, Mrs. Bumpus, and Mrs. Bowie all appeared at their doorways to welcome the students in from the weekend. Children, please take your seats, Mrs. Hammock stated. I took my place at the second seat on the third row, right behind Jerry Scarborough, my best friend, and right in front of Janie Taylor. Would you open your reading books to page 31? Scott Grover, can you please begin reading? From reading, we moved on to our spelling exercises in which we received our new words for the week. Mathematics was next where we were given a worksheet to complete. While everyone worked on completing the math problems, I eased up to Mrs. Hammock's desk. What can I do for you? she asked. I broke my thermos bottle this morning on the bus, so I'll need to go through the lunch line to get a milk. That's no problem. Since you don't need to get any food, I will let you go first so that you can get back to the table and start eating. Thank you, I said. I went back to my desk and completed the assigned problems. The bell rang and Mrs. Hammock gave us instructions to line up at the door. 
Brandy, why don't you be the line leader? Mrs. Hammett commanded. Yes, ma'am, Brandy responded. I grabbed my lunch and fell into line right behind Jerry. Once we reached the cafeteria, I went to the front of the line. The milk bin was the last area right before the cashier. I opened the lid to the cooler looking for a chocolate milk. Mrs. Carlson, is there any chocolate milk today? I asked. I'm not sure. Let me check the cooler on the other side. I watched as Mrs. Carlson got up and began to slowly walk towards the other lunch line that was normally used by the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. I watched as she opened the cooler and dug around inside. She stood up and closed the cooler. To my delight, she had a half pint of chocolate milk in her right hand. She walked back to her cash register and sat down on her metal stool. Thank you so much, I said as I handed her my dime. I really don't like regular milk. It's not a problem, sweetie. You sure are lucky. That's the last one there was. I made my way to the lunch table, sat down next to Jerry, opened my lunchbox and began to eat. Only one more hour until recess, Jerry stated. I know, I replied. I can't wait. Jerry and I finished our lunches just in time to see Mrs. Hammett close her lunch sack and stand up. All the children at our table stood up, reformed into a line to head back to the classroom. I can hear talking, Mrs. Hammock stated as she turned around. She raised her index finger to her lips, and the lion quieted down as we entered the hallway. As we entered the classroom, Mrs. Hammock instructed us to take out our geography books. Time seemed to stand still as I watched the hands of the clock at the front of the room. Finally, it was one o'clock, time for recess. Class, can you put your books away and line up at the door? Excitedly, we slid our geography books into our desk and got back into line for the second time that day. Brandy was our line leader, and she took a left turn out the door and back up the hallway. Mrs. Hammock soon caught up with us and took the lead position right in front of Brandy. This concludes Episode 1 of Red Rover by Wallace Gibbs.